From racing.com and top sport, this is a good three with Dr. Turf, Matt Welsh and Paul Tatnall. Hello and welcome to another episode of A Good Three. I'm joined just by Paul Tatnall this week. Paul, uh, our old mate Dr. Turf, he's headed over to Thailand mm-hmm. on a golfing holiday. By himself or? No, he's with a group okay, of okay. punters, I think. So I can just imagine the activity going on on the golf course. There'd be bets flying left, right and centre. But had a text exchange with him on Tuesday night. Mm. Sound like he had a big night Monday night. Doesn't surprise me. Did it affect his golf game though? And certainly did. He was said he was very, very wayward come uh, Tuesday. I think he probably did a bit of dough that day. But anyway, we well, uh, we'll miss a few of his old stories. He doesn't do any form. Doesn't read the rundown. Um, Whack. The quirk. So we'll see how much we do miss him today. But um, yeah, he won't listen to the podcast. Let's be frank. Like oh, please. He certainly will. But uh, replacing him to make it a good three. We, we haven't. Upgraded to a firm two this week. It's it remains as the good three. We're joined by Western Australian trainer, former outstanding AFL footballer, once kicked goal of the year, was a bit of a renowned pest on the footy field. I hope he doesn't mind me saying that. But uh, Hayden Ballantyne, Hayden, thanks very much for joining us. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. How uh, have you transitioned from AFL? star AFL footballer into the life of a, a horse trainer there too. I imagine vastly different pursuits. Um, you would think they would be different, but the, the similarities, uh, you know, the, quite, there's quite a lot of similarities between what I used to do to get fit and ready for a season to getting a horse fit and ready for a race. You know, we'd do a pre-season where you do a pre-season with a horse, get them to a trial, which was our scratch matches and then race days, game day. So, you know, it's just ticking boxes step by step, uh, making sure you're doing all the one percenters. And I know all that sounds cliche, but that's what I used to do when I was playing football. And now that's what I do as a trainer. And um, yeah, so far it seems to have been getting some results. Now, Hayden, Matthew referenced off the top your, when I say provocative playing style as a footballer. And I think you didn't barrack for free. Mum and Geelong supporter. And I, uh, the number of times you ruined us on a football field. Uh, goal of the year, 2011, almost uh, broke our hearts. But not as provocative, but looking back on it, Sandover Medal, Goal of the Year, all Australian team, play for Australia, Fremantle Life member. How do you reflect on your career? Do you reflect on those kind of moments where everyone will obviously ask you about Matthew Scarlett, but or do you look back at those you know, more uh, bigger moments such as Goal of the Year? Yeah, I, I look back at my career and, you know, I've got a smile on my face. I did... <laughs> What every kid dreamed of doing is playing AFL, playing in front of 100,000 people in MCG in a grand final, albeit we didn't win. Um, still the experience to be there and, um, you know, to be named All-Australian, that's pretty much the highest accolade you could get as a small forward. You know, there's no no small forward Brownlows kicking around. So, um, yeah, I look back on it with a smile on my face. I gave it everything. I never took a backward step and, um, yeah, I'll... I'll you know, winning the ultimate, winning a premiership would have really capped it off. But, um, yeah, there's there's very little regrets from what I did in my foot, on the footy field. Do you have one particular career highlight that does stand out? Uh, most, most Geelong games. I think that Sydney game, the, the, the Geelong final down in Geelong, like, no one's... No one ever used to go down there and win oh, finals. I was there, like, my no friend. I was there sitting in the and, cold and, wind. Yeah. <laughs> 
and the whole week building into it was like, we are going to go down there. We're going to kick these guys' ass. And, yeah. you know, the first quarter, um, Stevie Johnson and I think it was Paul Chapman was still playing there then. And they kind of got off the leash. And Ross got us in at quarter time. Give us a rev up. Not a spray, but a rev up telling us to do, do a few things. And then we just barreled them for the rest of the game. And to come in with a – go in there with a game plan that worked and to beat them was just outstanding. And then the two weeks later, sorry – we play Sydney at home to get into the grand final, and from the first bounce, it was all over. We just we were all over Sydney, and we ended up winning by three or four goals. But you know, it felt like we won by twenty because we just absolutely dominated the game and earned our crack at a grand final. Thinking back, or going back to your goal of the year, Hayden, I remember growing <laughs> up, the prizes for winning goal of the year used to be outstanding. I think at certain stages they were giving away cars and and things like that. What did you win for taking out your goal of the year? Yeah, I got ripped off. I didn't get a car. I um, I got a. I'm saying that I shouldn't complain. I got a big TV, like I think it's 75 centimeter TV and surround sound, and cameras and all that kind of gadgets. But um, yeah, the telly. I've, I had the telly up until just a couple of years ago. Actually, it was a, it was a it was a belter. So I use that a lot. But um, yeah, the rest of it I just gave to my missus and friends and whatnot. But um, yeah, it was probably I don't know 10, 12 grand's worth of gear. So it wasn't too bad. Yeah, not to be sneezed at, but a car would have been nice. Uh, thinking, car would have been very nice. Watching you play and, and reading a lot of media reports about you from afar, you were sort of labelled, as I said off the top, and I hope you don't mind me saying it, a, a bit of a pest on the footy field. Was was that something you set out to do and was it something you took pride in as part of your game? Um, To be honest, it was more of a subconscious thing. I'd go out there and, you know, go back to Geelong and um, Matty Scarlett, he was the best defender in the AFL at the time. And so he had a big target on his back as far as I was, I was concerned. I'd go out there and piss him off and get under his skin. And ultimately, he ended up punching me in the face. I got a free kick and we win that game by five points. So What did he say to you, though? This, I've heard varying reports on this. No, it wasn't, what, it wasn't what he said to me. It was what I said to him. Yeah, what did he I'll say? keep it. I'll keep it. <laughs> Keep it above yeah, the belt. between us. It was a few choice words I said, but, um, yeah, the big boys don't like it when the little fellas get in their face, <laughs> and I used to be pretty good at doing it. He signed you a jumper too, not long. I think your brother might have got him a uh, to sign it. Is that correct? Yeah, my, I think it was my 30th might have been. My little brother, um, it's a funny story, actually. My little brother um, rang Geelong and asked if uh, Matt Scarlett would send over a jumper for me for my birthday. And um, <laughs> I said, I'll oh, get him. They'll get in contact with Matt and let me know. And then about two weeks later, my little brother gets his phone call um, from Matty Scarlett. And he goes, hey, mate, Matt Scarlett here. I heard you want to get a jumper. And my little brother goes, is it really? And he goes, yeah. And he said, how many games did you play? He was trying to get credentials of how many games he played. So he was me. <laughs> but, yeah, he signed his jumper, had, had all his highlights and career career highlights, and number one was punch me in the face. So he's got a bit of um, sense of that's outstanding. Before we move on to, to racing, just on the Frio of 2022, they've made a terrific start to the season. Do you still follow them closely and how do you think they'll go throughout the rest of the year? Yeah, naturally, I still follow them closely. Life member of the club, so I'll get to as many games as I can. And um, I've been to three home games this year and they played really well in all of those. So um, the only one they lost was St Kilda, which was yeah, a bit of an up and down game. But um, I think these last couple of games, they've they've been beaten, as Justin Longmuir said, it's probably a bit of a wake-up call for them to really sharpen up. It's a 22-round 22, 22 season, and 
if you're good for the first six rounds, you're not going to make finals. You got to be good for you know at least 18, 19 rounds to make sure you get into that finals and hopefully the top four. But yeah, there's a lot of good signs from them and. Um, yeah, blokes like Andy Brayshaw leading the way. They're in a good spot, I think. Certainly. Are. Hopefully they don't bounce back this way. They can bounce back after uh, Melbourne. I'm happy for them to start winning after that. Oh, well, yeah. yeah hopefully. They, well, they're going to need to bounce back a lot to beat them. They're flying up. They certainly are. Moving on to your footy career, I imagine, as your racing career, I imagine having an AFL background would come in handy when you need to try and find owners for a horse. We've spoken to a few AFL players over the last few weeks, so love ownership and it's something that seems to be quite regular throughout footy clubs players having little shares in horses here and there have you had a lot of the the Frio players and the Perth players in general join you on that ownership journey yeah so particularly in the first horse I had Mankind he was the first one I bought and we had a lot of success with him he ended up winning um, six races for us and we bought him for thirty grand. He wins three hundred, so he's um he was a really good story for us and for, and for me. You know, his first horse and to do what he did was outstanding for me. But um, Aaron Sanderlands, he's still involved. Alex Pierce, uh, Joel Hamling, um, Brandon Matera. I thought they were all all lads that jumped in. Love racing, love the scene, and um yeah, love love me. Oh, actually, Pav Pav recently bought in. Took him three years to put his hand in his pocket, but he finally did. <laughs> Bought a share with his little syndicate, so it's um, yeah, good to get him involved. And there's you know, it's, there's a strong correlation between racing and footy. Most people that like footy like racing and vice versa, so um, it's plenty of banter and plenty of fun to be had at the races and at the footy field. Our producer said to us, Hayden, you actually unlined this afternoon before our chat, uh, potentially bidding on some horses online. How do you source most of your horses, and what's your best one currently in your stable? <laughs> Um, the best in my state, well, the pr- most proven one would have to be Sentimental Queen. She's, um, she's won six, I think for, for me, won two in her last prep, two, like, two out of seven in her last prep and a few places. So she's a very consistent mare and a horse I think should be able to go on to win some black type races, um, next prep hopefully. But she had her last run two weeks ago and is, um, yeah, out for a well-deserved spell now. Um, probably one of the most... I'm most excited about is horse Vogue's choice. She's only had the two, sorry, three starts, but one win, one place. And um, she had a bit of a, got her tongue over the bit of her last run. So she's one that I'm really excited about. I think when she finally gets to the track and runs some consistent races, she'll um, she'll explode and jump out of the ground, I hope. Having a look at some features of you in your mm-hmm. training facility that are online, I think there was an Entain one done recently. Uh, looked to have a beautiful property there and, the beach seems to be somewhere nearby. You obviously use the uh, the salt water in some of that recovery or some of that, um, I suppose, yeah, recovery of your horses. Just talk us through the property you've built and how many horses you have in work. Um, yeah, I've got 14, 15 in work right now. Um, we've got a property in Karna, um and we back on to uh, a large reserve that's um, – that we ride in and um it's yeah it, it's re- really i'm really fortunate to have played footy and um invested in a property where i can do what i love after football so um it took us a while to set it up to be honest i wasn't going to train horses full time uh, but it's, yeah it's just something once you once you get the bug again um it's hard to get it get rid of it so um yeah train there not far from lark hill uh, training complex so that's our that's our local track we get down to for trials and um and yeah loving it and beach the beach is was something i used during football um as a recovery tool for myself and 
for the horses as well. And also swimming them, swimming in the beach and rushing them up and down instead of going out for a gallop. Take them down the beach, swim them. It's just a different type of exercise, but it gets their heart rate up and makes them work a lot harder without putting um, putting stress on their joints. Now, your father was a uh, Perth Cup winning trainer himself. You said that wasn't, but you said it wasn't always uh, going to happen yourself going into training. Yeah, so I should sorry, I'll rephrase that. It wasn't. I wasn't going into training. It was more. I was going to get my license and train one or two, but yeah, just. I suppose got pretty good at it and loved it and won a, won a few races. And like I said, I got the bug. If you get the bug, if you, if you know, you know. Once you get it, it's hard to get rid of it. So I've got the bug again and um, I'm loving every minute of training and something I want to do and be be successful and ultimately train a Group 1 winner. Well, you mentioned you only wanted to train a few horses initially. Now you've caught that bug. Do you, does the competitive juices in you that – I suppose were so prevalent on the footy field now take over and you want to try and climb the, the trainers premiership over there in, in Perth and ultimately get to the top of the tree. Yeah, definitely. When you say those competitive juices, that really comes out when you run second because everyone's all happy. <laughs> like we ran second. Even the magic millions this year, we ran second with she's graceful. It was, it was fantastic. It's all ladies horse. We got a bonus 60 grand for the ladies bonus, but I was filthy because we ran second. I, I don't I don't train and run second, albeit it's good to get that prize money. And and it was she was a huge run by her, but uh, I trained him to win. And when you don't win, I get I don't get dirty, but I get that competitive edge. All right, how do I get better? How do I get this horse better? What can I do better to get her that one or two percent better to win the next one? How does winning a race compare to winning a game of footy? Yeah, it's very. <clears throat> I get asked that question a lot, and. You know, a game of footy goes for two hours where a race, you know, might go for two minutes. And the intensity of that race really peaks when the, when they come into the straight. At the 400 metre, you just got butterflies the whole way. Whether it's looming up to win or it's looming up just to, just to run on and the whole way up the straight, you're just hoping and praying it's going to run on and, and finish the race strong. And that excitement and the feeling you get, you can't compare it to anything else. And anyone that's owned a horse that's done that at Ascot or in any race track, when you get that feeling, um, that's the bug I'm talking about. When you get that, it's all over. Do you like to ever bet on your own horses? If you've got one you think's going well, will you have a few bucks on it? Yeah, I'm not a big punter. Like hundred bucks is a is a you know that's that's a reasonably decent bet for me. I have fifty each way on most of them, and um, yeah, more so because I'll be filthy myself. It does win, and I don't have anything on it. That's the main, but yeah. Hundred bucks. That's my standard bet. Um, I had a bit more on the, the Perth Cup horse you were talking about. The dad trained. Um, I owned a quarter share in that with another mate, and um, yeah, we had a had a bit more on that day. But um, you know, yeah, you don't have too many Perth Cup runners, so had to have a bit more on that one. For us living over in Victoria, I think Perth has seemed like a, a different continent for much of the last couple of years. What's life been like over in in WA? Has it been business as usual for much of the the COVID impacted last couple of years? Yeah, yeah, we've been so lucky um, to continue on as we have, basically, with our day-to-day life. Um, you know, I've got another business. We own a gym as well, and, um, you know, that was shut down for a few months period there. But, you know, in all, in all seriousness, and we've been very lucky. Everything else has continued on, and we haven't had the, you know, the, the real peak of those infections and bad infections over here. So we've been quite lucky, and I think the... The government, I, don't, I hate talking about politics, but the government's <laughs> done a pretty good job, I think. 
No one wants to talk about politics after the last week or so. I think we're all politicked out. No, hey, Norsey, despite your yeah. large stable of horses as well, I here on the grapevine, you're solo parenting three kids by yourself this week. Yep, they're all alive so far. Good <laughs> job so far. What's to- yeah, my, uh, my wife. Sorry? What's, what's tougher, uh, getting the 15 horses ready to go each and every morning or, or managing the three kids? Nah, the kids. They're all girls, <laughs> so you imagine what what a morning's like in the Ballantyne house. So I've been trying to get three girls ready for school. It's a nightmare. That is extremely <laughs> challenging. Now, before we let you go, Dr. Turf's, as we said, taken off to Thailand on yet another golfing venture. He's, I think he's got a few of these coming up, but we're going to get you in on the famous multi. And... Uh, we're Famous confident. for losing at the moment, unfortunately. Uh, it's about to turn the corner. Hayden's going to steer us into a winner. Now, which way are you heading with your leg? Um, I literally just looked this up before I thought I was going through, but uh, a horse that caught my a couple of weeks ago, Captain Chaos, um, he ran on really well. Um, Mickey Grantham's training in good form, so I'll be tipping Captain Chaos. I think he should be at odds too. should be probably 10 to $15 odds, Ooh. so um, yeah, it could be a multi. Is that, is that for a win, Hayden? Oh, can we go each way, can we? No, you can, can go. go you, well, you can or... go. Oh, you could go each way. You can definitely go place. Turfy and I yeah. often take the soft option and go place. So we do but encourage I, that. Yeah, we, we actually encourage. Uh, like, like I said, I train him to win, not to run second. Oh, so we'll go, we'll go on the night. There we go. All right, outstanding. Well, thank you very much for taking the time out, especially while you're looking after the three kids one out. I know having looked after two last week, that's a, a momentous task in itself. So I can only imagine <laughs> what three's <laughs> like. Uh, we'll let you get back to that. But best of luck with the stable. Hopefully you continue to have plenty of success. And, Hopefully you get that elusive group one win. No worries. Thanks, boys. I, I just uh, I just popped up then. I won a horse on the English sales, so I have to go and see what I bought now. <laughs> you better go and search for some owners. Ring up a few of those footy mates and uh, get it sold. Having a bet on sport this week? Top this. Whether you're into cricket and curling or golf and greyhounds, Top Sport will let you on for plenty. And with literally hundreds of markets from your own backyard to the international stage, Top Sport has you well covered. So if you want to get the top odds every time, bet with Top Sport. Top that. Download the app today. Top Sport. Feel the excitement. Don't let the game play. You stay in control. Gamble responsibly. An early look. Now, Matt, it's time to find some winners on Saturday. Now, we have reference we are a man down. I'm pretty confident going into this segment that the absence of turf, also known as test tube nose, <laughs> it will make zero difference to the number of winners we find on Saturday with his absence. Now, we are recording on a Wednesday because to try and get Hayden on, so, you know, we've just got acceptances, so we're not going to have as, you know, as potentially as many choices, but we're going to start in race number two. Uh, you believe you have a winner there? Well, I'm not going to be able to go runner by runner across the card because uh, it's been a, a two hours since acceptances lob. but I like the look of this two-year-old race, race two on the card. Now, markets have just come out. McKeon down the bottom stands out to me. She's a Peter Moody-trained filly, a daughter of Hellbent. Her recent jump out of Pakenham was outstanding. She got a fair way back, hit the line beautifully to win that heat. She got a nice turn of foot. The old band back together with a number of chances on Saturday, Peter Moody and Linda Meach. Linda Meach, big booking. I think she'll be making a, a very good debut, this filly. And at $6 and, and sort of two twenty, the place, happy to back her each way. I think the main danger in the race is Proud Conquest, who was super up at Donald 
Looked really good in its action late, winning the Donald Classic. Trained by Anthony and Sam Friedman, who love two-year-old races. They love 1,200-meter two-year-old races at Caulfield. He'll be better for that debut run, and uh, I think uh, he will certainly be hard to beat. But happy to back the one down the bottom, McKeon. Probably have a little saver on Proud Conquest. I think they're about around that $6 mark each. Now, we were talking off air before the segment, and I think you might have one at race number nine at significant odds. Just one I've been following up the trials, and, and I've still got a little bit of work to do on the race, but there is absolutely no way Mr. Exclusive should be 50 to 1. He's trialled up brilliantly for Matthew Brown. He's had a couple of really strong jump outs at, at Cranbourne leading into this. He has run well first up in the past, so he, he's not a complete and utter um, duffer first up. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him hugely competitive. He ran fifth uh, first up last campaign. That was at Caulfield over 1,600 metres. He was backed in a, a stakes race towards the back end of last preparation. Uh, that was the weekend hustler. He was backed at odds in that race. Was was well beaten, but I think from gate five, Bo Merton's aboard. The way he's jumped out, he'll put himself somewhere up near the speed. Uh, I think fifth to one is crazy odds. From the newsroom. Well, Paul, on Monday when we chatted on after the last, we spoke about upcoming board meetings, Racing Victoria board meetings, which now took place yesterday. Prize money was on the agenda. You you spoke about the approach that they might take in retaliation to New South Wales's announcements of big prize money increase, I think to the tune of 23... $25 million for, for the upcoming season. What sort of strategy do you think Racing Victoria are going to take with their upcoming prize money announcements See, the for the word retaliation, season? though, Matthew, is, you know, that's... I think that's exactly the mindset that many in Victorian racing want to move away from, where... Whatever PVL does up in New South Wales, we've got to match it dollar for dollar, whether it's in the same racing or the same part of the the, car, the calendar. My belief, my strong belief is that that $25 million won't be matched dollar for dollar. There will be significant investment into prize money, but it'll be targeted around certain races they feel are vulnerable uh, to not getting the best horses, whether it be the three-year-old calendar or um, lead-up races as well. There's a strong push as well, and you and I are considering we own, own horses that race in this kind of company, there's likely to be a push for some racing in uh, some prize money increases in the, the country maidens. That's where we need it because our horse, Precious Socks, is battling to win a maiden. She's yeah. placed her past unlucky. couple. Unlucky. Not unlucky, beaten by good horses, yeah, beaten by better horses. Yeah. Did beat third on both occasions by a fair way, but it's time to very quickly boost maiden prize money to 50000 just before she wins her but, maiden. And it's not, we don't need to compete with New South Wales. Our... Our, my strong view is our overarching and our long-standing traditions in racing are important. They don't mean they don't count for everything. I think it's very important that we now look at the sustainability of these increases. You and I have spoken about wagering won't continue to be as strong as it will be forever. These prize money announcements aren't can't be sustained forever, and I think it's probably time. And I think it is time. And there's definitely even some. Even some uh, interest groups that have a strong uh, engagement with prize money, it helps them. They understand that we can't keep doing this. I.e. breeders? No. I.e. owners? I think owners. I think uh, trainers. Big think, owners, obviously. Yeah, I think they I think they acknowledge that it's not sustainable. I think there's also an acknowledgement that we can't keep throwing. You made a really salient point, Matty. Which, Jeez, I, I made know, a salient oh. There wasn't many on Monday night, to be frank. I tell you what, frame this. The keep this Cox for the highlight reel. $5 million that's worth. 
there's an extra half a million dollars going to attract a better. Is Animo still going to run? Will, will, will half a million dollars make a difference? Oh, not to not to the ownership groups that usually target those races. No. Imagine how that could add, that could add ten thousand dollars to fifty races. But if you say had the country maidens with a minimum of thirty five thousand dollars, that extra bit of money coming into your pocket might actually help or encourage you to invest in another horse, and that's what the industry needs. I think that first win is the most important for owners to get a return on investment We're it's still bloody hard stocks, to get it we? it's hard to get it it's the end of the market where you've got you know the rec- uh, recreational owner so to speak mm. you've got the the person who's throwing you know a bit of dough in to buy a percentage of a horse for the first time they've they've got the trainers bills and you know trainers bills rightfully aren't cheap uh, it costs a fair bit of money to train a horse but i think it's important that you get a decent chunk of your investment back one thing, with that first win. One thing I just want to put out there, there's starting to be acknowledged in the industry, and I'm going to move on uh, to another topic, but the costs around running horses at the moment, we haven't seen the spike that we've seen in other parts of the cost of living here in Australia. Feed, diesel, uh, uh, those kind of costs. So with prize money r- rises that are on the way up as the phone rings. Phone's ringing. Uh, it's really important. It's not Turf Man on the phone, is it? No, it, no it's not Turf. He'd be where well, he'd be in some bar in Thailand, right? No, now. Heath Man, I should say. Uh, Heath, Heath Man. Man. Um, so back to that. That prize money has to go down the bottom to make sure as many people stay in racing as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of uh, Heath Man, Caulfield, uh, we're recording Wednesday, Thursday. They're set to have a committee meeting to decide the the future of the inner track. You're certain it'll go ahead? I'm. You know, the odds would be a dollar ten. I believe that it'll go ahead. You know. These other participant groups want a wider track. Now, I did reasonably well at maths at school, and I'm putting my calculations to it. If it costs anywhere between 16 to $40 million for another track, RV aren't paying for it, MRC aren't paying for it, and there's no one paying for it, and it's not happening. And it's Might uh, just reduce your salary a bit. We'll be able to uh, knock it over in no time. Coming from Melbourne Grammar Boy. Um, but, yeah, I expect it to go ahead. I, and I, one thing I will say is they won't put the tunnels in, I don't believe, instantaneously. But I wouldn't be surprised if down the track there's some wiggle room. Uh, I think that's one area that uh, the RV especially have conceded. Listen, we understand where the jockeys are coming from. Um, but again, that's going to cost a lot of money. Having a bet on the racing this week? Top this. With Top Sport's best of the best multis, top odds are guaranteed. Place a best of the best multi during Saturday Metro meetings for the top flux or dividend from the best three national totes. Plus, there's best of the best to win up to five grand too. Top that. Download the app today. Top Sport. Feel the excitement. Don't let the game play. You stay in control. Gamble responsibly. A look from the book. Presented by Top Sport. I was trying to have a chat to Tristan from Top Sport, but just before we bring him in, mm. Paul, mm. you and Turfy declared Frydenberg immoral last week. I was uh, stunned to see him lose. It's not, you know, how many times in our history we've seen the treasurer lose his seat. I was surprised. I had a conversation in the back of our podcast last week with someone who declared Frydenberg a certainty. Um, the person who tugged Turf's coat last Saturday gave him a number of bets, including North Sydney going to Labor. How'd that go? Uh-oh. Uh, Labor minority government. No, that's gone. Uh, Kuyong staying. 
So whoever tugged. Yeah, turf's I think we'll sack that uh, that mailman. Oh, that we just was, uh, oh we just got to start editing out Turf's little uh, snippets. No, you know. no, we enjoy Turf. He don't be mean to him while he's away. That's shocking stuff. But Tristan, uh, how'd the election finish up for you guys there at Top Sport? No, we, we kept all of Turfy's uh, mail safe and uh, backfired on us. So, uh, but no, the other the punters were too good. On Saturday, there was a big plunge for the Labor Party. They got in short. They were like dollar fifty, I think, um, on Saturday morning, and then it, they shortened into a dollar thirty. And they were, you know, some pretty sizable bets. We had a couple of customers have some uh, really good cracks at Labor, and I got a bit excited. Um, probably half an hour into when the market's closed and we we're betting live on it. And I think the coalition got back into 225. So I've got very limited knowledge on it. And I thought, oh, you never know. There might be a bit of a run here. But that was uh, very quickly uh, quashed about half an hour later. I think they went from $1.60 to $1.10 in the space of five minutes. That I'm over politics. But I do have to ask this question. There were some significantly surprising results on Saturday night. Your neck of the woods going green. I think you almost could have picked your odds on that happening was there any uh betting patterns on saturday night that suggested that you people knew, for this angle again i just think that there's some smart people on sunday said oh we kind of thought that you know brisbane might be going green like you had more chance of it going brown yellow and rainbow than anything else was there any betting patterns on saturday night that suggested that people knew there's some peculiar results were on well, they were very hard against the coalition in Brisbane. So Labor was smashed in Brisbane and then the Greens were specced at decent odds. I think they might have been nines into sixes or five dollars or something late. And the so the coalition was unwanted and pundits were definitely all over the other two parties. So uh, yeah, there's people out there that know a hell of a lot more than uh, than we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. That's not a hard, that's not a hard job, my friend. It's not a hard job at all. <laughs> There'd be kids in kinder that know more about <laughs> politics than us, so uh, we should stop embarrassing ourselves with that sort of discussion and move right along. Hey, overnight, I saw in the UK a hurdle, a maiden hurdle at Punchestown. I'm not sure if I pronounced that correctly. I don't think you Punchestown. <laughs> Definitely pronounce that right. That's good. Anyway, uh, Sawbuck was his name. Uh, as much as $1,000 was bet on the exchange, I think the official SP with bookmakers in the UK was 300 to 1. Firstly, were you guys fielding on the event? I assume that was a, a bit of a skinner, if you were. Turfy's <laughs> favourite... Skinner price. <laughs> yes, no, definitely it was Skinner. It probably wasn't uh, the, the hold we might have on some of the uh, the Aussie races, so it probably wasn't as profitable as Skinner as what you might get. But yes, certainly did not write a ticket on it. My wife's actually Irish, and she's uh, she's been to that racetrack, and I know how it works over there. Well, she's actually heading home in two weeks to the uh, to the local pub, and they love getting in there and watching the races. And one of uh, one of the old blokes in there has five a euro a win on the roughest runner in every race so i'm tipping the barman at the uh the local establishment that might hold 200 uh euro for the day might be stinging a little bit after last night's result yeah amazing like what's the biggest result you can remember on australian racing is it is it luna fox or yeah luna fox in the guineas last year was huge it was 300 to one and uh just completely unfound it wasn't quite a skinner wasn't quite Turfy Skinner, there are a couple that uh, they had their 2 and 5 and $10 on it, but it was certainly a very handy result. You don't get many roughies like that. We've had a few in recent times. The the Derby, Kentucky Derby was uh, was a sizable upset, yep. so I'm sure for a big result like a big race like that, um, the American bookies would have absolutely loved it because, yeah, if you can get one in a, in a feature, it's certainly uh, you certainly do have a fill-up. 
Speaking of features, you've got big racing up there in Queensland on Saturday. We're, we're back to Eagle Farm. Doombin was rained out last week. The Doombin Cup has been moved onto this Eagle Farm program. And Zaki, he stifles betting. He does, he does. No, very, very short. Dollar forty-five into a dollar forty. I think there was a a few people were thinking that if, if the race ran last week at Doombin, a horse like Polly Gray might have been a chance when the, the track was was bottomless. But now moving back to Eagle Farm, you'd expect the surface to be to be a little bit better. I, I think they're talking about a, a you know, five potentially. So we'll see. Like the rain was actually meant to be here until Friday, and they originally scheduled the races for today for for Wednesday. Um, but then they called them off pretty quickly, which I think was a smart move because I, you know, I think we all thought there was going to be no chance of racing at all today. But the weather's been good today on the Gold Coast. I assume it's been the same up in Brizzy's and it looks like it's going to stay clear for the next couple of days. So if that's the case, the Eagle Farm track's very good at, uh, at, at you know, coming good. So the, the, the track might not be anywhere near as bad as what we all thought. You know they've had a wet summer, Matt, when he goes, the weather's good. Look out his window from his camera and it's grey sky. How's the view? How's the view? Oh, going? when you're moving the circles that he does, Look I assume that. that's just his third or fourth office. All right, we've got a, a big task for you. It's only Wednesday afternoon, so the, the fields are still hot out of the oven. But have you managed to identify a lay of the day for Saturday yet? I have, I have. And, uh, yeah, I haven't, we haven't probably Are we taking on Zaki? Are we going to get a dollar sixty, dollar seventy Zaki? <laughs> no, no, certainly won't be Zaki. I think Zaki will be very, very hard to beat. I was actually, uh, in, as the races were getting closer on Saturday, I was very keen to take it on last week, but I'm uh, not as brave this week. I think Zaki would be too good. But I reckon in Melbourne they may have the uh, the favourites around the wrong way in race eight. I, I think Hoosier or Hoosier is a uh, you know it's a good horse in working through the grades, but I'm surprised that it's as short as what it is. I, I thought. Maybe a couple of the others in the betting may firm up and it may not jump favourites. So that's the one we're trying to lay early doors. That's uh, Caulfield Race 8, number three. That's Hosey around that $293 mark at the moment. Sir Davies absolutely flying. Has got a picket fence. Visionari going very well for Mick Price and Michael Kent Jr. And boy, oh boy, they had a, uh, a massive South Australian carnival. They, uh, they scooped all the riches over there. So... That is the lay of the day, race eight, number three, Hosier. Good team, Robert Hickmott and Alana Kelly. They're building a, a nice little uh, a little combination, but Tristan keen to take them on. Now, the multi, we've heard from Hayden Ballantyne. He's gone with a Hail Mary. Oh, it's not a Hail Mary at 30. I, you know, I just want to put it on the record that I respect his betting and I respect the fact that he's not only found a horse that he likes at double figure odds, but he's actually prepared to put his reputation on the line. Oh, so, oh, and I'm, I'm going to finish. One does not put one's reputation on the, for the line win. with the multi. You know, Turf, you're currently you know, perusing the golf courses of Thailand. And, you know, we've got a WhatsApp group in the uh, for the podcast and claims victory and, you know, proud where his $1.20 place bet comes home. Hayden has turned up week one and said, you know what, I'm going for this. And $13, I think it is for his bet. For the win, I've got to respect it. That's Captain Chaos. That's at Ascot on Saturday. Paul, what are you doing? Early on for me, so I could do, I do all <laughs> of Hayden's work very early in the day. But race one, Starry Legend, uh, Jai McNeil on board for the Sadler Stable. Might be getting the speed wobbles late. Yeah, it's potential. Uh, Back to a 1,000 suits, though. I, I think that it's the class horse in the race. 
inform jockey Jai McNeil, and um, I know that the Sadler Stable have high. Th- uh, oh, have you got a bit of inside mail, have you? No, I, you know Ed Sadler does, obviously does work for .com, and the insinuation Matthew is unprofessional from you, but no, there has been <laughs> absolutely no inside mail. All right, so that's Paul race one. I'm going to race two, number eleven, McKeon the place, so oh. Linda Meach, Peter Moody, so. I think she'll run really well on debut. And then we've got Captain Chaos at, uh, at a big price, Tristan. Tristan, I reckon if I don't knock you out in leg one, Matt Welsh going place bet and on a race two-year-old is just about certain to do it. So, Yeah, well, I'm, I'm just having a look at this. I'm a bit nervous if the uh, first couple of legs get up because uh, the multi works out at 72.67. And, and I know there's been absolute no question about going a place on that last leg. So we're going to put the 100 on the nose for the uh, for the, the charity account at seventy two sixty seven, but I might throw up another another market for anyone that's not quite so brave, and we might go the uh, the two options, the two Caulfield options, uh, Starry Legend, and then the place in race two. We might throw uh, Captain Chaos for fourth. I might throw that up at seventeen dollars. So if you want, oh, that's good value too. Why don't you call it the Matt Welsh Gelding Multi? Oh, shut up. <laughs> Gelding, yeah. Uh, there we go. I reckon that, that, that could be the uh, that could be the name of the day. And uh, yeah, I think seventeen dollars. It, it, it might be a good little play there for some people. All right, Tristan. Been great to catch up with you. Uh, I look forward to getting up to that office and having a couple of beers up on the roof because that view is outstanding. I hope the pool's okay too, mate. With all the rain, we saw the pool a few weeks ago, nice and big. So hopefully. <laughs> It's not too full. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, not. I'm just the only the only problem I got here, up here. First world problems is the heating's gone out of the pool. So that, that, that's my biggest concern at the moment. Oh boy, you're going quite well. We'll look forward to catching you next week, Tristan. Hey, uh, Paul. Before we finish up, mm. we got to be on our best behaviour next week. We got a special, uh, another special guest. Yes, hopefully joining us next Thursday. He obviously, he's a very busy man. Is the racing minister Martin Pakula and. I tell you, he's obviously very been a very, very good uh, minister for racing. There's a few nervous types around hoping that he's going to continue in the role. Okay, well, that's uh, Martin Bakula next week. Hopefully we have Turfy back from Thailand. It seems like he's been hitting it pretty hard, so hopefully he survives the trip. And uh, hopefully we're reporting on a really successful multi-come Thursday. That was a good three. Presented by Racing.com and Top Sport.